Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. friends and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created the Amish baby machine pop culture podcast starring me Dags. today we have a powerful episode and across this powerful oaken desk is my second banana dj mike resin hey Dags, how are you hello flock great to uh be back and and we're we're here feels like a lot of time has passed since the last time we talked it's been one week is that all yes one week and we're ready to rock and roll. Guys, we are excited. We're going to have a powerful episode today. We are going to have a powerful author. His name is Scott Ryan. He's wrote many a books. We're going to be talking about moonlighting and oral history. He also wrote a powerful book on the last days of David Letterman. Put your hands together and then take them apart and put them back together again for Scott Ryan. Wow, I'm powerful? You're, I did not know I was powerful. You're quite I thought powerful. I was powerless. <laughs> you're quite powerful. I've heard- I live in a house with all women. I am telling you, I am power left. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, man. Estrogen. <laughs> Estrogen is powerful. Yeah. I mean, they've got the power. Yeah. We're excited. We're excited about your book, Moonlighting and Oral History. We got to read that. And is it true that your mother forced you to watch the pilot? It is, that is 100% true. <laughs> I came home after school. It, uh, moonlighting was on and the night before. My mom had taped it on a beta, not even a VHS, Whoa. my friends, a beta. Beta. And sh- she said, you've got to watch this show last night. And I said, come on, mom, I'm not watching your stupid show. <laughs> and she said, I, she said, just watch the beginning. If you don't like it, then leave. And so I sat down pouting like a 15-year-old is supposed to. (laughs) And when Bruce Willis came on screen and dropped the bucket on Mr. Pesto's head and said, hey, Mr. Pesto, you're looking a little pale today. (laughs) That just spoke to my 15-year-old smart mouth uh, behavior. And by the end of Moonlighting, my mom was no longer watching it, and and I stuck (laughs) with it till the end. So did you think when you originally watched it, one day you'll write a book about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, (laughs) I'm going to know Sybil Shepard and Glenn Gordon Karen, and my name's going to be mixed in with their names if you Google it. I knew about Google, too, which was so weird. Yes. Because, you know, it was 1985. Yes. Uh, I knew it all. You had premonitions, visions. Now, Mm -hmm. Now tell us. It's some of the young listeners. Tell us about Moonlighting, what it's about, the premise. So Moonlighting was on from 85 to 89, and it was a detective show that knew it was a detective show. And back at that point, all the TV shows were detective shows, and these detectives were the most important people 
in America. They were just upstanding, great human beings. This is what people were watching on TV. And Moonlighting came along and just made fun of that and sort of made fun of the um, idea that there would be this murder that you would solve in 45 minutes. And for Moonlighting, they didn't even care if they solved the mystery. The real point of the show was watching Bruce Willis act with Sybil Shepard. I mean, that's, that's really what it was. It was a romantic screwball comedy. The show always gets a rap that those two didn't get along well together. Now, is that true? Yes, it is true. Um, They fought quite a bit, and they had a very tumultuous relationship, and that relationship, in the end, kind of sunk this show. But it wasn't that they just hated each other. I think it was just so pressure-packed. The pressure that was on the two of them was... So much because they were getting the scripts moments before they had to shoot it. And I think they were bound to fight. I mean, I used to run the drive through at Arby's. Whoa. And when you need curly fries in the middle of a rush, you yell for curly fries. You don't ask nicely. You know, you need the curly fry person to get you some curly fries. That is the stress of work. I mean, I... I turn everything back to working at Arby's. Is that not? Yeah, the, you do know they got rid of the potato cakes, right? What? Yes. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, they did. It's menu changes. It's yes. just changing the world now. What What was your... Well, let's talk fast food while you brought oh, it yeah, up. yeah, please. What is your favorite Arby's go-to sandwich? Okay. Well, first of all, there's two because there's the one I can get now. And for me, I just want the regular roast beef. I don't need, I know Arby's has spent the last 35 years since I walked out of that building trying to have every damn sandwich that has ever been created on their menu. Their menu is more absurd than Gary Busey on cocaine. I mean, they just, they, they go all over the place with their things. And I just want a regular roast beef. But when I worked there, oh man, I used to make the most glorious sandwiches. With I put all this stuff on and get the cheddar cheese and all the toppings, and I'd make like a fourteen dollar sandwich, and then pay the sixty cents that I would just say that it was. I could talk about Arby's all day. You don't want to get me on this topic. No, that's fine. <laughs> what 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 was the bun you went for? Was it the one with the sesame seeds, or did you go with the onion bun? Oh, I went for the sesame seeds. Uh, I don't. I mean, you don't want to be waiting on someone and have those black poppy <laughs> seeds stuck in your teeth. Like that's just not the look. I mean, I already had the paper hat, so it was going to be hard for me to convince the local high school girls to look past my acne. I didn't need the poppy seeds in there to hurt me. Now here's the deal. We'll get back to moonlighting, but now we're on the topic. Why did they put the red sauce on with the cheddar? Well, and I'll tell you, that is a different sauce, and I hate that sauce. So that's not the Arby's sauce you get in the pack. Exactly. That is a sweet red sauce that they put on, only, and it only goes on the uh, beef and cheddar. Yes. And I, I think that sauce is against all humanity. It is. Exactly. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, my, my wife gets the beef and cheddar. And she likes that sauce. And even worse than that, she puts horsey sauce on oh, it. And no. I'm like, you don't need anything 
that's named after a horse. That's the first <laughs> thing. That's just a rule of eating. You know, you know what my favorite sandwich was? I don't know if it was around when you were there. It was the Santa Fe. Do you remember that? The Santa Fe? No. We, I don't know if we had that in Ohio. Well, you're going to have to Google that because that was a powerful sandwich. I oh, love it. yeah. All right, let's get back to Moonlight. <laughs> we'll have to do uh, episode two. Yeah, all, all about Arby's. So Yeah, because I really... Well, one more thing and then we'll get no, there. No, 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 no. Seriously. We, we have, let's, okay, keep going on the food. I then. want to write a book. Everything I learned about life, I learned at Arby's. I would read that book. I know. Isn't it a good title? It is. It's a good title. And it speaks to but a I, lot of people who had fast food jobs. In high school, right there is your is your target demographic. I think. Yeah, you should make it out of rice paper so you can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it should be that tinfoil paper so you can wrap oh, it up. You, you know, go. you can wrap a sandwich in it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, please write that book. Uh, although one time I said that to someone and they said, have you ever considered that's why you're not successful? And I was like, oh, you know, oh. actually, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a, yes, yes, it could be why. Success maybe is relative. I should, yeah, maybe I should have evolved beyond uh, what I learned at Arby's, but I hadn't. <laughs> no, that's great. We love Arby's on this powerful show. Yeah, we're going to get you guys sponsored here. But I did not know about the potato cake thing. Now, what I used to do is take the potato cakes and you break them up and put them in the fryer. And we called them potato babies. And they fry up real good. And I don't know why Arby's didn't do that. This country would go crazy for potato babies. Potato babies. Make it happen, Arby's. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Taco John's? No, I'm not. So they yeah, have... but Is that when you go to Taco Bell and you get the ship? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not quite. No, it's the, it's the name <laughs> for the dudes that cruise the drive-thru looking for prostitutes. But anyway, mm. what, what, <laughs> what it is, they have little, they call them potato olays. They're delicious. Yes. Get a, get a pound and a, a pack and a pound. So they're basically mini potato cakes. Yeah. Same thing, but yeah. I like potato babies, the name of that. Right yeah, because I mean, who doesn't like the idea of frying babies? <laughs> I mean, people just love that. When wow, they hear that, wow. they think I want to eat. Right? Um, who would have known yeah. Scott Ryan was uh, so twisted? That's awesome. <laughs> okay, this is this is what these are the things that keep me going. Yes, these are the things that keep you up at night. So back to uh, moonlighting. So those two <laughs> quite a segue. Yes, there. you like that. That's what they call that the was, business. That was, they call that it was powerful. Yes, thank you. Thanks for enjoying my segue. It's quite the scooter. But so these two really didn't get along together. So she, the first time I ever saw her was on uh, The Taxi Driver. That uh, basically her, what was one of her first roles? Because that's where I remember her from. Well, her first, her breakthrough role was The Last Picture Show, which okay. is a black and white film okay. uh, by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, that was him. sort of her her coming out party and then she made the heartbreak kid with charles groden and then taxi driver with Scorsese. so how many years are we talking about in between these uh, last picture show was 1971 oh look at you yes the heartbreak kid 72 and then taxi driver was 76 oh there's... he doesn't even have her imd wow. he knew that <laughs> that's wow. right. he just boom aren't you the... I can't go yeah aren't you the assistant manager well you know scott ryan invented google so that's you know yeah it's a lot of things that I gotta I gotta try to impress him at now. Yes, mm-hmm. are yeah. you impressed, Scott Ryan? I I am so impressed with him. <laughs> let's I not really forget am. 
Daisy Miller was right in there too in 1974. That's just the stuff that pops in my head. It is. Yep. Thank okay. you. God bless yeah. you. We're talking uh, years after her movie. So her movie career was dying as we speak, as we talk about Moonlighting. Would, is that fair to say that her... That is very fair to say. Okay. And Bruce Willis was an unknown. Complete unknown. Slinging drinks in, in New York. Yes. Now, is that true they interviewed like 3,000 dudes? Well, here's the thing about my book. I don't worry about what's true. All it's right. an oral history. So what, it's, what is true is that the person that said they interviewed 3,000 people said that. Yeah. Um, someone else says it was 300, and I think someone else says it was 150. So there are, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of space in those numbers. I like in the book, so you say in, in the, I think it's in the foreword, um, where you say that there's a lot of contradiction within the book that you wrote, just because people remember things the way they remember things. And nothing says that more accurately than, than the story of how they were casting Bruce Willis. So one, one person said he got up on the table and another person said he, he got up on a, a filing cabinet, you know, in like the right, in the next memory that you talk about. So I think that's, that's pretty funny how people's memories are their memories, whether they contradict themselves or not. And you didn't spend a lot of time trying to get to the facts. You just told the stories as they were told to you. Well, and I do it on purpose and it really frustrates my editor because <laughs> he's, you know, he's a professional and old school and things. And he's like, you have to get this right. And I'm, I'm like, no, here's the better part. I don't have to get it right. And because we live in this time where all of us think we are right about everything. And I love the idea that here's a book and I'm putting it forward and I'm saying, this is everyone's memories. You take from it what you want. Uh, what you, it does, who cares how many people? they interviewed to get Bruce Willis. That is, that, who cares? That, that couldn't be less important. What is important is the stories of how Glenn fought the network for Bruce Willis and the stories of the network saying, no woman is ever going to think Bruce Willis is attractive. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are the things that matter. I think just we get so concerned about being right. And honestly, who cares? No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know i knew that i was right yeah it felt good to be right no facts we're done with facts it's all about hyperbole and powerful things so what is the deal with his hair did his hair uh wane as the show went on to because i'm obsessed with his hair i'm looking at a picture of it right now it's a full head yes um his hair i think this happens to men it falls out it does you have hair when you're young and you get older, and you don't have hair. And I'm breaking this story on the Amish Baby Hair Podcast. <laughs> That's the next book. Is... Yeah, how about his smirk, though? Yeah. I do enjoy his smirk. That never left us. No, his smirk uh, it was perfect for David Addison. I mean, it was just, I think that smirk helped him get the part. So let me ask you this. If you had to recast Bruce Willis, who would you put in that role? 
Are you saying today or in 1985? I don't care. We don't care about facts and what time it is. Just whatever you want to do. I want him recasted. Who are you putting in there? Well, I think that the key was that you didn't know who he was. So if you had to do it today, the most important part is that you get an unknown. That's what made David Addison come alive, because we didn't put anything on Bruce Willis because we didn't know who the hell he was. What you got was just this rock and roll TV star that just burst off the screen, set against a Hollywood icon being Sybil Shepard. So if you did it today, you'd want an unknown versus um, a, a Hollywood legend that was maybe slipping a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot. You got to pick someone. Who are you picking? I'm picking me. Really? Oh, there you go. Do you have the hair? You're putting me on the spot. Do you have the hair? I'm losing my hair. You no, are. I've been, I'm losing my hair because I have four kids. Before yes. I had four kids, I had the hair. Bruce Willis also has a bunch of kids. He's losing his hair. That's what happens. That's a rumor. You have a sassy sense of humor, too. No, I haven't noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's no, and I, by the way, the rumor joke was a good one. Thank you. It slipped under, but I don't, I don't want you to think I didn't hear it. Powerful. Uh, I was good. I was going to send a scout out, but I, I just didn't get it. <laughs> you know, the, what's important is that you, that you realized it. And then any member of the flock who's listening now knows to go back and listen for that rumor joke. Let's talk about Mrs. Beasley, too. I love her. Yes. She is so kind in real life. I, I'm amazed that she texts me and we go back and forth. And um, that is just incredible to me. I, I would never imagine that would happen. Oh, that's awesome. Tell us some stories. What are some things like, uh, did she, when you text each other, is there any cool little facts or things that she told you? Or what did you guys talk about? We never talk about moonlighting. Um, she actually is quite a Broadway baby. She loves Broadway and she lives in New York. And I'm also someone who loves Broadway. So we mostly talk about uh, Broadway show tunes. What is your favorite musical? Oh, my favorite musical is definitely Stephen Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George. Um, that. It's all about art and creating, and um, I, I just love it. And then I found out that Elise Beasley also loves Sondheim, so we oftentimes um, are just chatting about Sondheim. I'm actually this. I love this interview, by the way, because <laughs> we're we're just yabbing yabbing for no good reason. Please, yes. people at home, no. this is the time to make a smack. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the just don't go to the drive-through at Arby's. Stay here. Right. Well, I mean, if you're listening, if you're driving, yeah. I think it would be fine. Yes. But don't go in. I no. think the drive-thru would be fine. Do people still continue. go into, do, still, do people dine in in fast food restaurants? What are your thoughts on that? I don't know that? why you would. I don't know why you would. The ambiance? Definitely. Yeah, ambience. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can get that same ambiance in the trunk of your car. <laughs> in the trunk? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, we were talking about frying babies earlier. Yes. So. We're finding out a lot here today. What I want to know, uh, next time you talk to Elise Beasley, ask her about her time on uh, Johnny Bravo, the TV series. Maybe you could write oh, a book about okay. that. Now, Johnny, I certainly will. Johnny Bravo, that's uh, Brady Bunch, remember? Greg Brady? Greg Brady? Was Johnny Bravo. I don't remember that. Do you remember that, Scott Ryan? 
I remember that, but I don't. I don't know the new one that he's talking Johnny about. Johnny Bravo. That's a cartoon of uh, one of the studliest cartoon characters ever made. So Scott Ryan, we're gonna have to have you Google Johnny Bravo, watch a couple episodes, and come back to us. Well, here's the thing: I don't use the internet for good. That's one of my things. <laughs> oh, Johnny I, Bravo uh, isn't good. <laughs> I but I never look up things. This is what sets me apart from the humans. <laughs> is there's nothing more that annoys me that if I'm in a conversation and I might say this is just you know throwing out there. Let's say I say, "Oh, Star Wars came out in 1979," and then my point of this is just to talk about the pizza I had after I saw Star Wars, and then there's some <laughs> jackhole. In your group, it's like, oh, I just Googled it. Star Wars came out in 77. <laughs> hey, and also, why don't you take your phone and shove it up your bum? Wow. How about that for an idea? I mean, do we need this? Do Scott we need Ryan. I don't, it's a Do you like it when we just call you Scott Ryan? You know, some, I, it's, it's fine with me. A lot of people do think, I think my name is kind of boring. So I think it's. Is that you, a gnome de Puma or is that a real name? Oh, it's definitely real. I mean, who would make that up? Because. There is so many people named Scott Ryan that you can't find me. Like, if I could do this all over again, I would be Scott Bublé. Bublé? Oh, Scott Bublé. Yeah, this is Scott Bublé. That's what I wish my writing name was, Scott Bublé. He does have a wonderfully creamy, velvety voice. Yeah, and I just, I feel like, then it would be fine. Yes. Um, Then you'd be calling me the boob the whole time, maybe, on this. I don't know. Wow. So I actually uh, coined a term nerd trap while you were talking about that. So you get, you get two people talking about it, something, and then the third person chimes in. So that's kind of cool. If you look up on Urban Dictionary, nerd trap. Nerd trap. Yeah. You know, you'll like say, uh, did you know uh, Boba Fett's first appearance was on Mork and Mindy? And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then you get the, the other guy chimes in. Well, actually, it was on the, the Christmas special of Star Wars. So, yeah. nerd so I can relate to you, Scott Ryan. Oh, this is fascinating. <laughs> I, 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 and I do, I love that because, because I'm confident as a human being, I could care less if someone thinks I'm wrong. So I do sometimes purposely, like if I see a know-it-all that really is going to feel better about themselves because they corrected me, I will definitely jump into that and let them just correct me and i like to go i don't think so you know I, i'm pretty sure harrison ford was not han solo pretty sure about that i call him hand solo um, <laughs> um see you should never have given me the freedom to talk about whatever i want because uh this is what happens no, but i'm waiting for your next segue i know no, it's gonna be as good as joe Bonarrested development oh my this, this podcast is all about going off on tangents so you're, you're fitting in quite well actually. it is <laughs> so speaking of beasley did you know that on family affair that was the name of the doll mrs beasley do you no. remember that i did no nope. i remember family affair but yes. i i did not remember the doll the doll's name was mrs beasley i like doll's names and pet names and we, we always talk about, why does every show always have to have a manservant, too? Why do you think that is, Scott Ryan? Have you heard of Alice from the Brady Bunch? Yes. I was just, <laughs> as soon as I said that, I go, please don't bring up Alice. Have you heard of Florence oh, from yeah. the Jefferson? Yes, you can find examples, but 
Are you talking more? I mean, about Mr. I Belvedere? but beyond manservants, beyond Mr. Belvedere, I love and Benson, Mr. Belvedere. I'm out. I love I'm Mr. Out, Belvedere. Though. How it, many manservants are there? Those are the only two I can. Oh, we had Jeffrey. Yeah. from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Thank you. We have Mr. French from Family Affair. I think I'm out. That's it. Just four. We have, no, we have Jarvis from the Avengers. <laughs> I can go on all day. I guess you get Alfred from Batman. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, what was it? It was strictly platonic. You think Alfred? You, are you insinuating <laughs> Alfred no, and not. Batman no, did no, it? No, no, no. Whoa, Scott Ryan. Well, he said he, his plutonic seems sarcastic. I, yeah, I, I know. He's, I he likes know. to insinuate things. It's, uh, I mean, I've heard people maybe want to say Batman and Robin, but I think Alfred's above. Well, that's why they added on the TV show. They, uh, aunt. Yeah. Aunt, what's her name? Yeah, exactly. Catwoman? No. No, oh. there's an aunt that they had to come in there because they couldn't have a bunch of men living together. Yeah, but, but why? isn't it more gross that they were banging their aunt? I mean, that, <laughs> that seems like a worse idea. It was, it was Aunt B, by the way. There was a lot of, a lot of movies that, with that same plot around these times. Gotta love Aunt B. Aunt B. Yes. Isn't it Aunt B? No, Aunt. It's just the other day I stepped on an Aunt Hill. They got all crawling oh, on my legs. Sure. Now let's... <laughs> Let's Segway get back like, to moonlighting. Yes, get back to moonlighting. <laughs> now I want to talk about Booger. Tell us any stories mm. about Curtis Armstrong. So I love the Curtis Armstrong character on Moonlighting. And a lot of people didn't like Herbert Viola, but I did. I, I think he's so funny. And I love him in, in Revenge of the Nerds and everything he's in. He's basically in every TV show ever. And I was, I thought, I had like a um, preconceived notion of what interviewing him was going to be like. I thought he's going to be really fast and loose and, you know, but he was so uh, thoughtful and smart and soft-spoken and just really reflective. It was a very almost intense interview in a good way, not like he was angry or something, but he was super smart and he he must really be a great actor to play all those ridiculous characters that he's been cast in. But uh, he's so nice. He actually reached out to me when the book came out and said how much he loved it. He tweeted about the book, which kept the book. Um, it took the book from like 137 on Amazon to number four. Um, well, and it was just because he tweeted about it. We're going to take it to number one. I don't think you will. I think everyone's tuned off at the Arby's thing. Like once we got there, they were like, Arby's, that place sucks. We, they should be talking about Wendy's or nothing. And they stopped listening. We talked on an episode about marsupials throwing their young and people stuck around. So we're, I think we're good with the Arby's talk. Okay. Yes. We're obsessed with marsupials. What's your favorite marsupial, Scott Ryan? My mom. Whoa. <laughs> Is your name... Is your name Joey? No, it's Rue. Rue. McClanahan. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't have a, I don't really care about animals. Okay. Animals mean nothing to me. If they're outside, it's fine, but I, I just, I, I, I could care less about a marsupial. No, so I'm not going to be invited on that show. What's that? I'm not going to be invited to the marsupial show, but I'm okay no, with it. No, the marsupial podcast is terrible. Well, we're no. big in Australia, just to let you know. All right. Well, good. I want to see what my book goes to in Australia after this appearance. Oh, it's going to be huge. 
Big numbers. Do you think part of the success of the show was how chaotic it was as far as the production side of things? Uh, not just the actors not really getting along, but because half the time or more than half the time, nobody knew what the scripts were until that day. I do. I think, you know, for me, the one of the main reasons I wanted to do this book is ever since I was a teenager, I haven't understood why there's never been another TV show that has the energy and creativity of Moonlighting. It, I just didn't understand. Why couldn't someone do this again? Because, you know, you think there's Lost and then there's like 75 shows like Lost. But, you know, with Moonlighting, it never happened. And I think the thing is, is that no network would let a show do what Moonlighting did and be that, you know, not be able to preview the episodes before they aired or approve the scripts, keep them within the budget. So it was the chaos that kept the show as fresh. And I don't think that any of them had any time to overthink it. I mean, Curtis Armstrong, speaking of Booger, he said he would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and to get his script for that day. I mean, it'd be on his front porch. And then, you know, you're learning those lines on the way in. You get there, you do it. You know, there's no prep for anyone. So everyone was really fresh. And I do think that is the difference of that show and every other show. So they were dropping like uh, over a million bucks each episode, huh? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and this is in 80s money. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's uh, insane. So, I mean, that was a lot of money. It, it, I did a comparison, and for, like, the Shakespeare episode, it's comparable to the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that's how much it cost. So, so that's what, nutty. So where was all the money going? Because it wasn't CGI. What are they spending the money on? Overtime. So for, with crews, they, they're all union. So they would go, you would hit what they called golden time. And a lot of the people that I interviewed, they said they made more money on overtime pay than their entire salary. And they were making just this huge amount of money and they were all in their 20s. They said, you know, they never made that kind of money on any other show because the network just wanted that episode. They didn't care. They just needed it to be done. So money was just pouring in. It's, it was all, you know, overtime pay. So when Bruce Willis made his movies, did, his, did he demand more money? And was that a problem? Was that friction? Or what happened with that? Uh, I, I do not think he ever asked for more money. I'm sure they gave it to him. Uh, but that I never heard anyone talk about Bruce trying to renegotiate his contract. Uh, they were the highest paid actors on television and were doing the least amount of episodes of anyone. So their per episode figure was off the charts and bruce makes die hard between seasons three and four but it doesn't come out until between seasons four and five and once season five hits america's kind of over moonlighting anyway so he just wrote out the last 13 episodes and you know everyone knew the show was going to get canceled so it kind of worked out perfectly for him 
So you're saying that he didn't he didn't negotiate for any more money, but I mean he was becoming a big movie star, and she was on the way out, and she she had her twins. What was that? Uh, season three? Yes, at the end of season three. Do you think that show could be made today, or do you think that was just a chaotic time and just a perfect storm? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it was a show of its time. Um, I I wouldn't want it to come back. I actually got an email from uh, someone who read the book and they were like, I have a way the show should end and come back. Could you get this idea to Glenn Gordon Karen, <laughs> which is very sweet. Um, but like, I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I don't want Mr. Belvedere to come back. I mean, it was <laughs> of its time. Right. I mean, those sweaters are out. We're not, yes. gonna, we don't, we don't need those sweaters. Mr. And Belvedere. So I, um, I'm just trying to play into your man's no, thank servant you. thank thing you. because I don't know anything about my That was a powerful callback. Thank you. Now, do I think that a show could come out now that tried to be a romantic screwball comedy? I, definitely. Um, but I think everyone would ruin it. I mean, the, the problem is people are like, get him together, get him together, get him together. Ah, they're together. I don't care. You know, that's going to be the problem with that type of show forever. So they talk, I don't think we've learned anything. So they talk about jumping the shark. When do you think that show jumped the shark or did it? That's a hard one because I should answer it. Am I answering it as a fan or am I answering it as a hoity-toity author? A fan. It jumped the shark when, when they had Sybil marry someone else. You just you took you took the air out of the room, and you you got a romantic comedy. You you don't marry someone to someone else. But I think critics would say that even season four was no good before that. But I don't I don't feel that way. I actually think uh, the creativity was still there. It's kind of hard to uh, kind of answer. And it it was a great question, Degs, about jumping the shark. Thank when, you. Thank you for enjoying my question. When when you have episodes in a series where they they're doing a black and white episode, well, that's what I mean. Doing a Shakespeare episode, and now then you know at the end of the the, the Christmas episode where the, they walk off stage and and the crew of the show and their families are singing Christmas carols. I mean, it just seems like it it'd be kind of hard to to top themselves, and then such a, a mundane thing for a character to do is marry somebody. And that's the, that's kind of, you know, like the moment where you say, well, that's kind of where they kind of lost me there. That's it's kind of, it goes into like the creativity of like the writing and, and we'll just keep saying the chaos of the show where anything kind of went. And I know in, in the book, you talk about breaking that fourth wall and the one that st- sticks out is the episode where they're trying to figure out uh, who, you know, who, who done it. And David Addison says, well, I figured it out during the commercial break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you get things like that in the, in the show and in the series the whole time. And, and then it's, well, she married someone and that's where you lost me. It's kind of like the, that sexual tension in, in, in the craziness of the whole show is what made that show and what made people tune in every week to those monstrous numbers. I feel they should have added Ted McGinley. What do you think, Scott Ryan? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. Come on, I don't think so. The best part of happy that he. he, I I also disagree that he ever made any show better. The best part of happy days. 
<laughs> Heather Locklear, she fixes shows. She repairs yes, the shark. That is true. But God, I Ted. Love, God, I love Ted McGinley. Could Ted Danson play the role that Bruce Willis played? See? Now we're on to something. Ted no, Danson. Now I'm thinking. What Ted, if we what if we switch characters? Okay, so Ted Danson is on Moonlighting, and then you put Bruce Willis on Cheers. Well, Bruce Willis kills on Cheers. Yes. I mean, without a doubt, Bruce Willis kills. How about Bruce? He would be great. How about Bruce Willis on Growing Pains? Well, is he playing uh, Kirk Cameron's part or Alan Thicke? He was, he was supposed <laughs> to be Alan Thicke. Did you know that? I did not know yes, that. Yes, powerful trivia <laughs> from the most powerful podcast uh, ever created. That changes that whole show if yes. Bruce Willis is Alan Thicke. Yes, that's my porn name, by the way, Alan Thick. Scott Ryan, who's your favorite? Mine is Joanna Kearns. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Who is your favorite character on Growing Pains? I think Tracy Gold. I'm going to just give her love. Is yes. It, is, do I have the right gold? Because one of them is on, Missy's on Benson, right? And Tracy's on yes. Growing Pains. Correct. Yes. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm correct about Yep. That, but I, I think I liked her. I liked Mallory. I mean, I was a young, oh, I was pre-pubescent. So, oh, I loved Mallory. I'm, I'm with mean, you on oh. Mallory. My favorite oh, character was Michael Stabone, Boner. Boner. He loved fish mm-hmm. sticks. Mm-hmm. Grow up. What? Stabone is the way to go. Stabone. Yes. Can we talk about Mallory some more? Talk about Mallory. Go ahead. She. Uh, Yo, Mallory. See, I was going to say Nick. Is the best character uh-huh. that that supported Mallory, because Mallory was just kind of there, and then when she starts dating Nick, that takes takes actually that that whole series to a whole new level because you got Nick, the artist, the guy no dad wants dating their daughter, but yet he had some of the best scenes in that series. You know who crushes it in Family Ties? I and you know anyone can fact check me. You pull a random episode of Family Ties. I don't care where you pull it from. The person that has gets the biggest laugh is Michael Grossman. That's what I noticed in a rewatch. Like really? he kills. He has one great line per episode that you're going to laugh out loud. He kills. And normally a dad is not that funny. But I'm just saying, you pick one out, you watch, you let me know who had the biggest, best uh, laugh and delivery. It's 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 the dad. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch that and find out. I bet he yeah, just find one kills. Just, you don't need to watch episode. the whole thing. <laughs> you don't need to watch the whole thing. <laughs> just watch a YouTube clip, right? You know, I bet you there is like a, a YouTube clip, a compilation of his best lines in every episode. We should have one saying. of your best lines. Oh, the guy that would DJ be Mike the shortest. Yeah, but it would just be ever. the it would just be him saying "rumor" that one time. That that's right, and that's it. Scott Ryan, uh, Mike Rez looks like uh, the dad from Growing Pains. <laughs> I mean, Family Ties. I mean, Tremors. I am, there's nothing wrong. I, I, that's respectable to me. I'm <laughs> it's not respectable. Judging, yeah. By height, no chance. But by beard color, all the way. Mm. Who was the dude from that's... Diner that got all the plastic surgery? From Diner? Yeah. Mickey Rourke? Yes. Mickey Rourke? Yes. I want Mickey Rourke as Bruce Willis in Moonlighting. What do you think? No. No way. Yeah, I agree. No. no. <laughs> That's a horrible idea. No, he's awesome. I'm not talking about after he got all the... Before. He was a handsome young man. <laughs> like nine and a half weeks? That, that Mickey Rourke? Yes. 
Oh. Yeah, and and he wants Kim Basinger as Maddie Hayes. Right, hey, yeah, watch yeah, watch nine and a half weeks already. <laughs> you saw where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw it down Thank the you. line. Saw, Thank you. Saw Thank right you for enjoying And that. let me guess, you want Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. They would also be great. Oh, wow. God, I love Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas is Alan Thicke's character on Growing Pains. What yes. do you think? There you go. Yeah. The streets of San Francisco. We yeah, could go on could, and on. Could Alan Thicke have played Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. <laughs> he would have wrote That's a the kick, question. He would have wrote a kick-ass theme song for that. Song. Yes, <laughs> he did write the theme song, it's didn't he? Wall yeah, he did. Street. <laughs> it's greedy and it's Wall Street. Yeah. See, there you go. God, what a powerful episode today. Thank you, Scott Ryan. Look, being a jackass is my specialty. Nice. Hey, Scott Ryan. Before we let you go and. Wrap uh-huh. I don't know if we are or not. I don't have the timer in front of me. But tell the flock of Amish where we can find your book, where we can get your book, where we can hear your book. Let's let's get the particulars out of the way. Where can we find sure. you on social media as well? You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Luck Store. I have a website, scottryanproductions.com. So that's why I don't care. You keep saying Scott Ryan. That's you know <laughs> you're just promoting my uh, you're promoting my website. So jokes on you. No, but uh, it was not a joke. Then, I just like saying Scott instead of saying Mr. Ryan or Scott. I like saying right. Scott Ryan. Scott Ryan. I say Mike Rez. I understand. I I I, I have no problem with it. Because uh, they're both first names, they're last names. People call me Ryan Scott, call me Ryan. I answer to anything. Nice. Um, and then my company is Fayetteville Mafia Press. So you can go to, but nobody can spell it. But it's FayettevilleMafiaPress.com. And all my wares, they're all out there to be ignored. Thank you. Powerful episode today. We want to thank Scott Ryan for coming down to the barn. It was a powerful episode. We're going to need you guys to buy his book, Moonlighting and Oral History. We're going to need you to follow him on Twitter and all social medias. We're going to need Arby's to come up with Fry Babies. Yes. Arby's is going to need to sponsor this powerful podcast. Yeah. Yes. Come on, Arby's. Yes. I've been talking about Arby's for years. And yes, I did steal my uniform <laughs> from when I was 16, <laughs> and I, I busted out for Halloween parties. Nice. You still fit into it. Well, I don't have the pants anymore because I Whoa. mean they were just khaki. No pants. You right. know. He's a pants. And no pants Arby's, Arby's also isn't the worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right. I agree. And hopefully you'll be on again next time, Scott Ryan, because I want to talk about David Letterman. Yes, I would I I'm more than happy to talk about Dave. He's excellent. My, my idol. Kids, thanks for listening. We just ask you one thing. Please tell a friend about our powerful podcast. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.